great to be back with you guys. Uh, thank you for, for being flexible. Thank you, bro. My man, DJ. How many are thankful for people who are multi-talented? And that's kind of been, um, you know, God is giving us those kind of people. So thank you, uh, DJ and Leah, for jumping in. They weren't supposed to be up here with us today, but then they saw the, the need and they took the lead and and help Jerrica, who's been really pulling and carrying the weight. Can we give an appreciation hand to Jerrica as well? <clears throat> so uh, for me, I'm really excited to be back. I know for some of you, this is, might be normal. For me, I've been out for three weeks. Um, so here was our journey over the holidays. We got through Christmas, and then on New Year's Eve, one of my family members tested positive for covid and so we had to quarantine that week, and we missed that Sunday. The following week, I tested positive for COVID. We had to quarantine, and I missed that following Sunday. And then last week, because of the uh, pause that the school district went, went on, uh, we weren't here in person again. So I'm, I'm, I'm having withdrawals from you. Okay, so if I seem a little giddy and a little too close, you can kick me away and, you know, tell me to keep my distance, and I will. But, but I'm excited to be here because I love people. Um, I'm just, God has wired me that way, and so just to be here with you is, is a treat for me. So thank you for coming and being here with me as we are with Jesus. The Bible says we're two or three are gathered. There he is in the midst, and so he's right here, and we're going to meet with him today through his word. Say amen. All right, so as Pastor Matt had alluded to already, we're continuing our New Year's mess, uh, sermon series entitled Abide, uh, specifically Abiding in God's word. So what does it mean to abide? If I can simplify the definitions, it means to continue, it means to endure, and it means to remain. So it's important to abide in God's word. We know this. Uh, John 1.1 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. God and his word are the same. If you want to grow in God, you can't do it apart from his word, from the Bible. And so if we want to get close to him, we have to be close to him in his word, among other things. And so the title of my message today, I wanted to make it a little bit fun because it is going to get a little interesting a little bit later. But the title of today's message is Check Yourself. Say Check Yourself. Now, if you heard that phrase before, you might know the second half of that phrase. And if you know it, yell it out. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Now, some of you aren't even old enough to remember when this song came out. But that phrase was made popular by a song, by a song that didn't sound like Ice Cube. <laughs> We're going to get the song, but... It's funny, we were talking about it this morning. Uh, the song, the reason why is because I, I kind of sprung it on our media team. And, and so, sorry guys to put you up to that this morning. I came in with this great idea. Check yourself and then, uh-oh. Oh, okay. Oh, you're feeling it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> See, some things you didn't know about your pastor, huh? I won't do that again. <laughs> Check yourself before you wreck yourself. That, that song made that phrase popular. It's a mainstay now. Even generations that weren't around when that came out are saying that. You better check yourself. You know what that means? According to the Urban Dictionary, check yourself 
is a phrase that is spoken to an individual in condemnation of their behavior, actions, or their choice of words. Here's another definition, according to the Urban Dictionary. Check yourself means a phrase that is used for people who are usually wrong about what they believe, especially when they think they're better than someone else. We're going to use this as a springboard to get into God's word because there was a moment in time where Jesus had to confront people and basically say, there's some things wrong here. You better check yourself. And at the same time, we're going to use God's word as we get close to him to understand this is a chance for us to also check ourselves. So turn to somebody and say, check yourself. No, no, come on. Come on, guys. The music just plays. Say, check yourself. Okay, Five of y'all did that. Say it again. Say, you better check yourself. (laughs) Okay, but y'all were looking at me when you said that, though. Y'all were supposed to look at somebody else. So, in this passage, we're going to read a story with another phrase from the Bible that we all know very well. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've probably even uh, said it yourself. So, go with me to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. As we get ready to read God's word, let me just set up the scene of what's going on here. So chapter 8 starts off with the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. How many are familiar with this story? And so so these uh, very passionate and very religious people catch this lady in adultery. They throw her in the middle Uh, of this crowd. Now, let me tell you about the crowd. This was about the time um, of the Feast of Tabernacle. Now, that is one of the three big holidays in Jewish culture. And so the city was packed with people. And this temple that Jesus was going to to teach was also packed with people. I mean, just imagine it was standing room only. And so Jesus goes to speak, and it was a setup. These uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, the experts of of the, the law, bring this lady and then purposely ask Jesus what he would do. He says, you know, Jesus, according to the law, such women are supposed to be stoned. So what do we do, teacher, rabbi? And so Jesus pulls this OG move and he ignores them. And he kind of goes off to the side and he's kind of doing his own thing. And he's like writing and, you know, drawing hearts and, you know. And they get mad and they keep questioning him. What would you do? What would you do? And finally he says, you know what? The first one of you who's not guilty of sin, who's never sinned, you throw the first stone. And so that plan backfired. And they kind of backed away. But that was the beginning of this chapter, which is a series of nothing but fighting. Nothing but but arguing. And so this is where we pick up in our text in John chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 31. We're going to read until 36, but I want you to pay attention to verse 31 and 32. That's going to be our flagship for today. In verse 31, it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answered him. I want you to hear the tone of this. Okay, maybe I'll change my voice so that you can get the idea. 
And they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. Jesus? That's kind of the, the attitude that was going on here. And so Jesus answered them. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. How many have ever heard that verse before? Whom the son sets free will be free indeed. How many have ever said that and spoken that over somebody before? And it's great. It's the word of God and it's true. And, and, and the way we mean it is true, but there's so much more backstory that we don't understand. The, the book of John is so jam-packed full of nuggets of wisdom and value and virtue and, you know, from Jesus. And, but of all those things, of all those scriptures that, that we hear and we know in the book of John, this one carries a lot more weight. If those mountains of, of, of wisdom, you know, if you could see them, this one would stick out just a little bit higher than the rest. And so obviously the overarching message here is freedom, whom the sense sets free, is free indeed. But it's not the freedom that we expect. You see, when we ask for freedom, it's usually to benefit us. We want, you know, we want financial freedom. How many want financial freedom? Right? We want freedom from problems. That would be nice, wouldn't it? We, you know, and then uh, uh, even in this context, the Jewish people were wanting political freedom. That's what they had been fighting for this whole time. They were, they were oppressed by, by the Roman government who pretty much ran the world at that time. And so it's true when you say that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Jesus can free us from all of those things. And I believe it's God's will that he free us from all those things. I don't you know, I don't know if it's God's will for you to, to hobble and suffer through life. And I believe in tests. And I believe we can, you know, level up through those tests and through what God does through them. But at the same time, I think my God's capable of anything. And if he wants to set someone free, he can. But it's not the freedom that we expect. What, the freedom that Jesus wants to set us free from is connected to everything else we're talking about. But it starts with something spiritual. So right away, we see three promises in this text that we just read. In those uh, first two verses, 31 and 32. Here's the promises. That we will truly be his disciples. That we will know the truth. And that the truth will set you free. Three promises. And you can't skip one to get to the next one. You ever had somebody cut in front of you in line? Especially when you're in your car and there's construction going on and there's a line of cars and everybody's being polite and then one car goes right by you and then starts to cut in and the car's like 10 ahead and you start to go, right? And it's the same here. If you want freedom, you can't do it without being exposed to the truth. And you can't have truth without being first a disciple. So these are in sequential order on purpose. And so those three promises are dependent 
on three words. You can have, you know, freedom. You can have truth. You can have disciples if you abide. Before those came out, he said, if you abide, and then he goes through this list, and those are promises, if you abide. The problem with us is we don't abide. And so here's a couple of things that we must understand. Before we can find freedom or truth or any of these promises, we have to understand that first, we are slaves by default. We are slaves by default. You know, there's a moment in your life when you're a child and you're just purely innocent. You don't know right and wrong. But that goes away really quick. By the time you're a few months old, you know when, when my kids were growing up and they would touch something and we would tell them no, even when they were still crawling and in diapers, you know what we would do? They understand you can hit their hand very soft, but you can go, mm, and they go, right? It didn't hurt them, but you keep doing it. They try to touch it. Mm, they start to learn. Then they got older, and then we would get a chopstick, and then we'd use a chopstick go, no. And they'd pull their hand away. No. They'd pull their hand away. Very quickly, we start to learn what's right and wrong, Right? And so, here's Jesus with the Pharisees, and they think that they're saved, and they think that they're right. Can you imagine trying to tell Jesus what to do? And you're coming from a religious perspective, and you're trying to tell Jesus the way it's supposed to be? This is what's going on here. And so, Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees because, again, they think they were saved, and they weren't. And he was trying to get them to understand that they were not free. And so their response was, in that voice again, we have never been slaves, Jesus, if you continue on in the verse. They said, we've never been slaves. What are you talking about we can be free? And then... Jesus is probably going, what in the world are these guys thinking? These are the Jewish people. You guys know a little bit of Bible history, don't you? They're saying, we've never been slaves, right in Jesus' face. And they were slaves for over 400 years. You guys know Prince of Egypt, right? You watch that cartoon where the Israelites were enslaved for, for four centuries? It's like, and these are the experts, right? We said these are the experts that Jesus was arguing with. They're supposed to know this stuff. They were enslaved by Assyrians, by Babylonians, and even at this time when they're arguing with Jesus, they're under Roman rule. And they're sitting there saying, no, that's not true, Jesus. We don't need to be. We're good. And there's a lot of people in this world right now who say, nope, Jesus, I'm good. And they have no idea how lost they are. In verse 34, Jesus answers them. He says, truly, truly. I say to you, now, when Jesus has to repeat something, truly, truly, your antennas should go up. In other words, he's saying, if there's anything that you're going to hear, it's this, what I'm about to say. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. 
And if it seems like people are stuck sometimes, it's probably true. It's, it's because they are. And Jesus is seeing this with, with them. And I don't know about if you realize this, but sometimes the hardest people to reach are the ones who think they're already saved. The hardest people to reach in anything are the ones who think they are already good or they already know it or they know better than you do or they, and we can go on and on and on. And they don't realize the disconnect and the distance between them and the situation and in, in this case, between them and God. They don't know what they don't know. They live in a world of spiritual deception. They have eyes to see, but yet they can't see their own pride. The Bible says that they have ears to hear, but yet they can't even hear their own self-righteousness as they speak. Pride and arrogance is, you've heard me say this before, it's like body odor. It's like bad breath, right? The person who has the problem has no idea, but everybody else is going, dang, do something about that. And it's obvious to everybody else, but to the person who's lost, they have no idea how lost they are. I can remember, you know, when we were living in Guam, the first house me and my wife bought was a little uh, 800-square-foot, two-bedroom box. Uh, and, you know, you know how us men can be sometimes. We're like, no, you know what? I told my realtor, you know, I want a fixer-upper. And we got a fixer-upper. And I started doing some things. And, and my personality, I love to get involved in things. I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to make mistakes. And, and so I would have like two and three and four projects going on at once. One of the biggest mistakes I ever made was going to the University of YouTube. Because one of my pipes in my house, uh, there was a leak. And the house was so old that the, the valve that connected to the pipe, it should have been easy. You just twist the valve and it comes off and you put the new valve on. Well, here's the problem. It was fused together. Guam's an island, salt air everywhere, and it was rusted. And so when I went to turn the valve, what happened was the whole pipe that went into the wall, that whole pipe turned. Guam houses are made out of concrete because of the typhoons and the earthquakes. And so I, I you know, when the pipe turned, I was like, okay, that's, that's not good, <laughs> right? And, uh, and so I twisted it back. And later on that evening, I saw water coming to the, through the floor. <laughs> and I was like... Okay, this is really, really not good. As I said, but you know what? My fault. I made the mistake. I'm going to fix it. So I proceed to break holes in my wall. And then I see the pipe went into another pipe. There was a joint. I was like, oh, I got this. I went back to YouTube, and they showed you how to, how to solder, I guess. You know, you, you heat the pipes, and then you use this, like, soft metal, and it, and it seals it. So I went and bought a torch. This is also excuses for me to go buy new tools. Oh, babe, I need it. We need, you, want the, you want the sink fix, right? Guess what? I tried it, and it wasn't working, and it kept leaking. So finally, in my humility or humiliation, I call a plumber. Now, this guy didn't look like Mr. Miyagi from the original Karate Kid. 
How many remember the original Karate Kid? Wax on, wax off. Left the circle, right the circle. And so this little Japanese guy shows up to my house in his van. And uh, I mean, just like Mr. Miyagi, he goes, hmm. He bows and you know, I'm, I'm waving. And so you know, I can tell he doesn't speak uh, a lot of English. And so I motion him to come into the house. We come in. And so he looks at the situation. There's a big hole in my wall. There's water. There, there's pipes sticking out from everywhere. And then he goes, who do this? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said, me. He said, what happened? And I said, well, the valve, I tried to turn it. And he goes, why did you, why did you do it? And I said, well, I, I, I watched it. <laughs> I watched it. And, and you know, I, I thought I couldn't do it. You know what his response was? Honest to God, he said, Little knowledge, very dangerous. And people will take the Bible and they will take religion and they'll have a little bit of knowledge and they'll live off that. And it's so dangerous. This is what this verse is talking about. If you want true freedom, there's good news. My next point is Jesus came to free slaves. We're slaves by default, but Jesus came and he died for that purpose. It's to save us and to rescue us. So in verse 35, Jesus begins to change the image. If you've ever wondered about this scripture, as I was studying this, I was just blown away at the, at the, at the meaning and the depth of this. So in verse 35, he begins to change the image. And he starts to paint this picture of a house. In verse 35, he says, The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son, with a small s, that's, that's important. The son remains forever. The slave, here's the problem with, with the slave. is A slave, if you are a slave, you are property. Just like a stool. Just like a frying pan. Just like anything else in the house. And if the owner says, I want it gone, guess what? It's gone. And so because a slave is property, there's chance. That's what this means when he says, you know what? A slave doesn't remain. There could be a day where the owner goes, you know what? You're not cutting it, man. You're out. And the slave could be sold. He could be banished. He could be whatever. But a son is permanent. A son lives in the house. He's a resident. He stays. And so... What Jesus is saying here is that if, if, obviously, if sin continues, it's proof that you are slave to that sin. What is sin? It's, it, it's something that you crave and it controls you. If you've ever wondered why I can't stop doing that or I can't, I can't break this cycle, I can't, I, what is it? And it's because you are ruled by it. You are a slave to it. And so he's saying, if you are continually being ruled by something, there's a master there that is ruling you. And so the slave can be removed. If you want to remain in a place of blessing, that's what the house represents. The house is a place of blessing. If you want to remain in the blessing, you can't be a slave of something. You have to be a son or a daughter of the owner. 
So God is inviting us not to be slaves, but to be sons and daughters. But sons and daughters are, are permanent. My sons have been trying to get out of my house for 16 and 18 years. But guess what? They're my sons. They, they, that's where they live. They ain't going nowhere. Just kidding. Just kidding. We're praying that they don't. And the only way to become a son or a daughter is through transformation. And the only way you can be transformed from the things that control you is through truth. You have to be able to see it for what it is. You have to be able to call it for what it is. Here's the, we started off with the Pharisees saying, I don't have a problem. I'm free. I'm good. Jesus. And they had no idea. They did not see the truth of the situation. And then in verse 36, says this, so if the son, now if you look, if the son, it's a capital S. If the son sets you free, here's our, here's our verse, the one that we love to, to share with people and speak over people. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Say free indeed. Now, I might have dated myself with that song when we were talking about it this morning. I was like, oh, yeah, it came out like in the 2000s. And John was like, uh-uh. And he, start, you know, he starts doing this, and he's searching for it. He goes, that song came out now. What was it, like 92 or something like that? 93, that's, like, that's when I graduated high school. And I was like, oh, my gosh, has it been that long? <laughs> well, I'm about to reveal um, some other things to you. I've been to jail before. <laughs> I was younger. Yeah, people are like, what? Where? Ooh, pastor. I was 16 years old. I found myself with a summer job, making money. I was a busboy, walking around, cleaning the tables, you know what I'm saying, getting tips. I would walk out of work. The restaurant closed at 10 o'clock. I would clean up my station. And by 11 o'clock, I'm out with tips and cash in my pocket, you know, me and my friends are arranging. We didn't have cell phones back then, obviously. You know, kids, you might have seen in movies a, a, a handle with a, you know, line of uh, wire that, you know, kind of twisted. That, that was what we used before. But we would arrange it, and so about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, me and my friends would get together. Well, there's one summer where um, I connected with um, some friends who just were, were bad news. Um, and, and, but those were my friends and I hung out with them and, and I kind of did what they did. And so what happened was, um, we were, so this is in Florida. So keep in mind that Florida is a very touristy place where I worked was where all the restaurants were, where all the beaches were, where all the clubs were. Um, and so I would get off work and be right in the heart of the nightlife. It's called Okaloosa Island. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Florida, but you have to go over this big bridge to get to it. It is in literal island, but it's gorgeous, and it's beautiful, and there's resorts, and there's everything, and so that's where I worked. Well, one night, we park our cars at a public parking, and we walk across this lawn that's owned by this um, hotel. As we're walking across, there's some drunk guys uh, on the lawn trying to sleep, and so we walk by, and I guess we bother them. Um, they're drunk. They're belligerent, and so my friends like that kind of stuff, and guess what? We got into a scuffle, um, and so uh, that happened. And then we, 
we took off. We got back in our cars, um, and, we, and we left. Um, and that was one of the scuffles of the many that my friends had gotten into that, that I, I was involved in. And so one night we, uh, this is another night. Oh, I'm sorry, the same night. Here's the way it rolled out. Um, one of my friends, his name uh, was Burrito. He was Mexican. I don't know why, my friends, we gave ourselves derogatory names. <laughs> and so I had a, two Asian friends. Chinky was one and Chino was the other. I mean, we just, and they liked it. They owned it, you know. And so, and he was Burrito, and he liked it. He would introduce himself as Burrito. Burrito drove a yellow Corvette. It was his dad's. And one night we're trying to go to this party. He gets pulled over. And uh, so we kind of pull over to wait for him. And as the cop is uh, looking like he's going to give him a ticket, he asks him to get out of the car. And now we're really kind of, you know, tuning into what's going on. And then he starts to frisk him. And we're like, wow, this is bad. You know, what what was he doing? Was he drinking? I mean, and then he handcuffs him and he puts him in the police car. Now we're going... I mean, question mark. We didn't know what was going on. The cops come to approach us, and they start telling us to get out the car. And we're like, yo, we did nothing. And they said, just listen. So we get out. They frisk us. They handcuff us. And they try. Here's what happens. The guys who we fought with that night on the lawn pressed charges against us. They reported um, all of my friends. And so we tried to tell them, that wasn't us, officer. He said, yes, it was. You know how I know? We said, how? He said, that Corvette. They were like, burrito, man. <laughs> we said, but there's a lot of yellow Corvettes. And he said, yeah, but that license plate says one bad vet. You can't get that wrong. And so they reported the car. Our cars were reported in multiple other things that had happened. And so I find myself in jail at 16 years old. And while I'm in jail, my dad told me, if you ever go to jail, don't call me. You're safer in jail. And he was serious. If you ever met my dad, he was, a, he was a big guy. And so I remember, you know, telling the officer, hey, you know, I'm, I'll make the last phone call. I don't want to call right now. You know, long story longer. <laughs> the guys who pressed charges against us got arrested that night for trespassing. The hotel was fully occupied. All the hotels were fully occupied, so they drove in from out of town and had nowhere to stay. That's why they were sleeping on the lawn. Well, because they went to jail, they could no longer press charges against us. So guess what? That was our get-out-of-jail-free card. And so here's what happens. Before we actually get out, the, office, uh, the officer attending the, the jail um, obviously knows that some of us are underage, including me. I was 16. And so he comes to the jail cell. And I tell you what, you know like the movies, you ever watch Fresh Prince when he went to jail? Right, he's in the jail with all those other guys, right? And it's, it's kind of funny, but that is an accurate depiction of what goes on. And so while I was in there, there's one guy they had to separate because he was just too, I mean, he was just wanting to kill anybody. So they had to separate him. There was another guy who out of rebellion used the bathroom there. So now we're all like, oh, great, man, you know, and so, and and this is what it was, and so the cop actually came in, and he sat down with a couple of us, he said, hey, what's your name, we tell him our name, how old are you, 16, 
And he starts to give us this advice. And you know what? We're listening. We're like, just get us out. <laughs> we just want to get out. Yeah, we were tough out there. We get in jail. We're like, can you get us out? And he starts to, you know, give us these life lessons. And, you know, man, guys, you don't want to end up here. You don't want to end where we're listening. And, you know, I actually appreciated that. So I get home late. I lie to my dad because <laughs> I had a curfew and I, and I had passed it. And my dad didn't find out until a few years later that I had actually gone to jail. And so, <clears throat> but, you know, when, 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 when this verse in verse 36, when it says, so if the Son sets you free, you will, be free, you will be free indeed. There is no option. When Jesus does it, he does it right. It works. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It's more than just forgiveness. It's more than, than you know, saying a prayer and then being in a moment and all of a sudden you have a ticket to heaven. It's more than that. When Jesus says, when the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. You know what? That gave me a picture of Jesus, just like that officer. Jesus, I don't know what you're going through or what you're dealing with or what vices has your life. When Jesus says, I come to set you free, it's like he's coming with a key. And he opens the door and he goes into the dark place where you are. And it stinks, it's hot, it's dark, it's scary, and Jesus still goes in and he sits next to you. When he says, I come to set you free, this is the way it looks like. I come into your situation to be with you. And then he says, let me show you the way out. The door's open. Now, picture this with me just for illustration's sake. Imagine Jesus comes into your cell, and maybe, I don't know, maybe you're chained to the wall or something, and he unlocks those, and the chains fall. You don't like the place. You hate it. You don't want to be there. You might have wound up there by accident, but you don't want to be there. And then the doors open, and Jesus says, come on, follow me. For the person who stays there, do you know how crazy that looks? Do you know how, how, how to any same person, that doesn't make sense. And so what happens is when Jesus says, I come to set you free, and he breaks those chains and breaks those shackles, then he says, guess what? Follow me. Follow. Let me show you. He doesn't want you to stay in the same place. Say follow. That's when you'll be free indeed. But you have to follow him. I get it. On your way out, you may stumble. On your way out, you may trip. And in life, as you're trying to follow Jesus, you may blow it. You might stumble. The name of our series is Abide. In the very beginning of the message, we defined Abide. It means to remain. It means to endure. It means to stick around. And remember we said, you can have freedom. You can have truth. You 
can have the promise that you will be his disciple. Remember those three promises? But they were dependent on three words. If you abide. So, I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but the, the reason why this word became kind of heavy to me as I was, as I was doing the study and and somehow I kind of already knew this, but when you're kind of diving into something and God is showing you, I honestly got, to, got a little concerned for myself. God, am I, the times, God, where I get wishy-washy? Or the God, times, God, where I'm all in? And then there's times where I'm just, I just don't want to? That's not what abide looks like. Abide means to stay. Abide means to, to, to endure. Not being perfect if you fall down, get up, but keep following. And here's the thing. If you follow Jesus, you may not make it out right away. You may not get to the places where you want to be, but if you keep following him, you will not be in that dungeon that he took you out of. That's what it means to abide in him. We can justify. We can make excuses about who we are and what we do. We can decorate our prison cell. We can spray cologne and perfume and all that stuff. And you know, it doesn't make the prison better. Jesus wants you out. He came to free the slaves. And here's my last point I want you to remember. That once Jesus frees you, you continue to be free by being his disciple. Picture it with me. We said in that verse, the promise is that you will be my disciple. You will truly be my disciple is what it says. Um, uh, you will know the truth and you will be set free. But if you want to stay in the freedom, guess what? You got to go back to the top. It's called being a disciple. And so it doesn't stop. I'll close with this. Back in the Bible days, there was no such term as Christian. There was no group of people called Christian. Nowadays, you hear somebody say, oh, I'm Christian. And that means nothing. You realize that? A lot of people say, I'm, I'm Christian. And we're supposed to back away like, oh, you're good. I don't, you probably know Christians and you're going, huh? You sure? <laughs> Back in those days, this is why you use this language. You were either a disciple or you weren't. Jesus in this passage is saying, look, he's fighting with the Pharisees. And then the conversation goes, if you guys would just please promise me, you'll read past th verse uh, 32. Just read a few more passages, and you'll see how Jesus gets into this conversation with the Pharisees he's arguing with, and he says, you know what? You don't hear me. You can't, you can't receive from me. And he says this statement that is, seems really extreme. He said, you say that Abraham is your father, but if Abraham was your father, you wouldn't be trying to kill me, number one. But number two, you'd be listening and receiving and doing. He said, but the reason that's not happening is because you are enslaved. Your master is the devil. 
Jesus, no. They're trying. They really think they're doing This is what Jesus tells them, and he's making a distinction here. And that's why when we say, whom the Son says free, will be free indeed, right? And we have no idea that this is what's going, this is the context. Jesus is going, we need to figure this out. Are you my disciple or are you not? Because if you are my disciple, you get all of this. But if you're not, let's not mix words. Your father is one or the other. These are your choices. And it began to scare me. And I began to check my heart going, God, you know, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And I prayed the sinner's prayer just because I wanted to make sure because this is very clear, guys. And in a good way, in a good way, I hope this is a little bit scary to you. Because Jesus came to set you free, but he means business. He's not playing around. He says, I am so serious, I will bet my life on it. And he gave his life so that we can be free. Those are your choices. You're either a disciple or you're not. There's no in-between. Um, two marks of a disciple, talking about abiding. One of them is enduring. And, you know, the, you guys, picture this with me because I've, I've been there and I've done it where, you know, man, I'm going strong, maybe for a few weeks. And then later on, somebody's calling me and saying, hey, we haven't seen you in a while. You okay? Everything okay? Oh, yeah, man, you know how it is. You know how it is, oh, man, you know, work and my schedule and all that. And, and all those things are, are, are legit. But Jesus is saying here, look, let's, let's, just, let's just call it. Let's just call it. Who's your daddy? Is it him or is it him? I'm trying to make this nice. It's kind of heavy, isn't it? This is the way God was showing this to me. And I began to pray for our church. And I began to pray for our people. And I began to pray for my family. And I began to pray for friends because I'm going, man, I don't know where they're at. But if you were to look at the signs... A disciple is marked by certain things. And there's some people, really, when you think about it, I don't see some of those marks. You, said, you know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody or call anybody guilty, but at the same time, today is the day that you need to find your freedom. But that means doing business with God. Amen? There's more to it, but I don't think I have to say anything else. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit... Has you getting this and understanding this. All right, DJ, can you come up? If you guys would just bow your heads with me. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to be here with us. God, you love us.
I started to tell you about two marks of a disciple. One of those marks is obedience. That's what it means to remain. The other one is perseverance. God knows things are going to get tough. God knows what's ahead. But he still says that if you will abide in me, you will not merely be my disciple. You will truly be my disciple. And I feel like God is asking you to bring clarity to your relationship with him today. Father, I ask for your grace to be with us as we answer this simple question. Are we your disciple? Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. Let's just make this quick because I'm a few minutes over time. If you're here today, I'm not asking you when you were baptized. I'm not asking you when you first prayed the prayer. I'm asking you today in this point of time, can you honestly say, Jesus, I am your disciple. And with nobody looking around, as always, we do this a lot with high hopes that people would respond. Where you're sitting, with no one looking around, no one's looking at you, we're going to pray all together. But just as a signal to God, and just so I know who I'm praying with, if you're here saying, you know what, man, I, I need to straighten some things up. I haven't been abiding. I haven't been remaining. I haven't been consistent. I haven't been steadfast. I haven't been committed. And I'm not sure. If you can't with confidence say, I am a disciple of Jesus, but you want to get that right today, would you raise your hand? Is that anybody here? God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we receive of you. Can we all stand up? I'm going to close us in prayer. But I'm going to ask that you pray with me. Just bow your heads and say, Jesus, thank you for your commitment to me. Thank you. Nothing stopped you. Nothing held you back. You gave everything for me. I want to be marked as your disciple. And I don't want there to be any questions about it. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for walking behind you and not, not with you. Forgive me for the times where I had an opportunity to represent you that was kind of long just bear with me but I didn't 
pledge my allegiance to you today. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Change me. Help me to be more like you and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Can we just celebrate with those who made that decision? Isn't God an amazing God? He's not here to rain on your party. He's here to set you free. But it means you follow him. If he makes the way, follow him. Amen. I hope you're blessed and I hope you're encouraged. I hope you bring somebody else with you. Or better yet, you go to them with this message.